Welcome to Hannah's Heart. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like, why are you drunk at the temple? Because <laughs> yeah. it can become an obsession when you want Wanting a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama. Every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome. But this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hi, everybody. I'm Kendra. And I'm Anne. And thank you so much for listening in today to Hannah's Heart. As you might already know, if you've listened before, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, even on YouTube. And you can also email us at hannahsheart at afa.net. That is where we've gotten some show suggestions and definitely um, prayer requests from you ladies and you gentlemen that listen in on the show. And so we appreciate that communication with us as well. Speaking of that communication, and I saw a message from someone on our Facebook group who she had previously asked us to be praying for her. Um, and she just messaged to say, thank you guys so much. I'm expecting. Awesome. So we love when you not only ask for prayer, but you follow up with your praise reports. We for love sure. to grieve with you and we love to rejoice with you. Yeah, for so. sure. We always will celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Well, today we have on a very exciting guest. I am so excited about today's program. If you've been listening for a while, you may have heard me mention a book that I've been reading called Courageously Expecting. Um And today we have the author on with us. Her name is Jenny Albers. She's a wife and mother, and she is from South Dakota. Um, And she is the author of Courageously Expecting, 30 Days of Encouragement for Pregnancy After Loss. Um, And in her work, she seeks to bring both awareness and hope to the topics of pregnancy loss and pregnancy after loss. You can find her at JennyAlbers.com and on social media at JennyAlbersAuthor. Um, Jenny, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, your book was such a soothing blessing and like balm to my weary soul. <laughs> I um, was handed a copy of your book right after I found out that I was expecting after a loss. And I felt like you were reading my mail, like you were looking into my mind and knew exactly what was going on in my heart. Um, but but before we launch into all of the book and the topics that that you discuss, um, let's let's back up. Could you give us the behind the scenes story that inspired the book? Give us a, a little bit of your journey. Yeah. Um, so, you know, probably like many women, I assumed that when my husband and I were ready to start a family and to have children, that things would just kind of go as planned. We kind of had this idea in our in our minds of how things would go and how far apart our, our children would be spaced, um, you know, and when they would be born and what that would look like and how many kids we would have. Um, so I did become pregnant um, a few months after we started trying for the first time and that pregnancy went well and it was very textbook. Um, my daughter was born nine months later. Um, everything went great. And so a couple years later when we were ready to become pregnant again and expand our family again, um, we kind of assumed that the experience would be pretty much the same because we had not 
endured any problems um, with my first pregnancy. However, my second pregnancy ended very early on, um, just right around the six-week mark, Mm. and it ended up being an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. And so that was our first experience with loss, and we were heartbroken, and there's just so many emotions that are kind of wrapped into that experience. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult when we have to come to terms with our plans not going the way that we thought they would. Um, and so we took a few months to heal, several months really. Um, it was probably about nine months later um, when we decided that we wanted to start trying again. Um, we did become pregnant again for the third time. Things looked okay. Um, I had some early appointments to make sure that um, I was not going to experience another ectopic pregnancy and that things were developing as they were supposed to. Um, And there were really no warning signs that anything was wrong. And so we just kind of moved through that pregnancy, um, just hoping for the best. And then right before the 18-week mark, my water broke. Mm -hmm. And so that was obviously much too early um, for kind of those uh, early signs of labor to be starting. Um, So the the outlook was very poor. Um, We were devastated at what we assumed would happen. As time went on, we were told to expect um, our child to be born within a couple days after my water broke. Mm -hmm. However, um, my pregnancy and my baby hung on for about three more weeks until I went into labor um, at just over 20 weeks pregnant. And my baby, who we named Micah, was stillborn. Um, and so that was just, I, I still, it's hard, it's hard to describe as many women who have been there. There just aren't words always to describe the level of heartache and devastation that we feel um, after we lose a baby. And so um, it, it felt extra difficult I think because it was my second loss and because we were halfway through pregnancy, you know, and we had kind of bought into this idea that once you get to the second trimester of a pregnancy, everything should go as planned Mm -hmm. and you're kind of in the safe zone. So that was kind of a wake-up call, um, but there is no safe zone. So we took several months again to grieve um, and to really kind of allow our hearts and my body some time to heal. We ended up becoming pregnant again um, for the fourth time. And for obvious reasons, we went into that pregnancy um, very uncertain. And I would say, especially for me, um, my husband had a bit of a more positive outlook than I did. But just having gone through loss two times um, and just knowing that we have no true control over the outcome of a pregnancy, it was just a very anxious time um, for me, especially. And so walking through that with the anxiety and the fear and then just kind of the ongoing grief as well um, was just anxiety provoking. Mm -hmm. And it it was also very isolating. Um, And so that's really what inspired me to write a book about pregnancy after loss is going through that more than once, um, but realizing how isolating it is and how misunderstood it is and how um, not a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah. Wow. Why, why the title courageously expecting what, what aspect of being pregnant after a loss requires courage? 
Well, yeah, so I titled it Courageously Expecting because I do think it takes a lot of courage to go through a pregnancy loss, whether it's one time or multiple times, um, and then to continue trying again Mm -hmm. when you know that there's no promise that you're going to bring a baby home. You know that you are potentially putting yourself in a situation for um, continued grief. And so Mm -hmm. it does take a level of courage to try again when you have no promises of what um, the end of that pregnancy might look like. Mm. Oh, my word. Um, Well, the title is aptly named. And I love how throughout the entire book, you are focusing on um, the hope and challenging women to um, to cling to hope, not guaranteeing them a result. Um, that's one thing in a lot of the guests that we look for. Um, some ministries will um, kind of puff you up with this name it, claim it, like right, just believe right. and your baby will come home. Mm. But as you experience, that's not always the case. I really appreciate that um, you gave me something solid to, that my hope was in Christ and not the final outcome. But one thing you really helped me work through was being able to rejoice and be in the moment of the current pregnancy. Your your third chapter, which is so aptly titled, um, you said um, that it's about the courage to rejoice today without knowing what tomorrow holds. Let me just read a little excerpt from that. And then I'd love for you to respond if you remember that chapter. Um, You said, you're carrying an already loved baby and that is cause for joy right now, no matter what happens tomorrow. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There is no predicting the duration of your sweet baby's life. And I know how hard it is to come to a place of joy when you as a loving mother fear that life will end too soon. But even in the uncertainty of tomorrow, one thing is for sure, God has given you the gift of today. The baby is here with you right now, being carried in the sacred space of your womb with so much love. Um, Jenny, respond to what it was like for you to be in that moment of today, not knowing the tomorrow. So let me just preface this by saying that so much of this book was written from a reflection standpoint and Mm. from some regrets that I had, Um, you know, kind of moving out of that pregnancy after loss um, season of life and looking back and wishing that I would have done some things differently. Um, So I think we do really have to um, kind of take captive our thoughts, Mm. right? Um, It's so easy to get lost in the anxiety and the fear of what's going to happen. And I know that for me, um, I absolutely, that was a major struggle of mine um, to be focused on the here and now and what I know to be true today, rather than getting ahead of myself and wondering about tomorrow or the next nine months. Um, But it's such a miracle for us to become pregnant. And, you know, there are no promises as to how long our pregnancy will last or what that's going to look like. Um, and I, I really just want to encourage women through these stories and um, through, you know, these hope-filled words to look down and remember mm-hmm. what you're carrying. You're carrying a child who's not only loved by you, um, but is loved by God. And, and this life of this child, regardless of how long it lasts, is a God-ordained life. And so I like to remember that these lives, again, regardless of how long um, they are lived, 
they have purpose and that God does not create life without purpose. We might not always understand um, what that purpose might be, especially in loss, right, with just such a short lifespan. Um, but there is a reason for your child's life, and there is every reason to rejoice that you are carrying this mm. life and that you are carrying this beating heart within you. Right, because the, the tendency is to think, if I just don't acknowledge this pregnancy for as long as possible, if, if right. this baby dies, then I'm not going to experience loss as much. But that's not true, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not true. Right. After we lost Micah, I really got lost, um, you know, in grief and these dark thoughts, which are completely normal. But I would often think, why God give me this child to Mm. take him away? Mm. Um, It felt like such a waste of life to me um, as someone who I wanted my baby. Um, You know, this was a plan. Um, My husband and I had planned, right, to become pregnant, and we had already left this child. And so it just felt like, what is the purpose behind all of this? Um, And so, again, I would have to go back to God created this life. God knows what the purpose is. I might not get to see that this side of heaven, um, but I know that there is a reason for Mm. this life to have been lived. And so I have to keep that in mind, both during the season of grief and then during the season of becoming pregnant again. And you share with Micah too, that um, it was really difficult for you to take photos um, of your pregnancy, of showing the baby bump. Right. And, um, can you yeah. talk about that regret that you experienced of, of not documenting more of that pregnancy? Yeah, um, I just wish, you know, when, when we lose a baby, um, we don't really have much, right, mm-hmm. to remember their lives by um, or kind of to validate that there was a life there. Mm-hmm. And I wish both in my pregnancy with Micah as well as my pregnancy that came after I so wish that I had more pictures and more documentation of um, that of that short life. Um, I wish I would have written more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I would have done um, some of the same things that I did with my first pregnancy. You know, when it was four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, um, I would take very regular pictures. And I just don't have those things to hang on to. Mm-hmm. And I think as moms... Again, regardless of how long our babies live for, we want the mementos mm-hmm. and we want these memories um, and these little kind of treasures of the lives that our children live. Um, and I don't have those of Micah. And I also don't have too many of them of my son who was born after Micah. Um, and so I, that's a huge thing that I encourage women to do is take pictures. It does feel scary. Um, and I think it's because we... It, it produces a source of hope almost, mm-hmm. right? Like something tangible. Um, when you're taking pictures of your baby, you have to you have to acknowledge that you are pregnant um, and that there is a fragile life and there's an element of fragility to this life within you and that you can't control what happens. However, it's just so worthy of being documented. Um, and those are things you're going to want to hang on to regardless of what happens. You'll want to hang on to pictures and memories whatever that might look like. Yeah. I, I noticed the chapter of um, the title of day four, the courage to say that I'm pregnant when I, and I said, Kendra, Oh my goodness. Like <laughs> this, this is me. It was, yeah. I was so scared to even, even ask people what would find out. Cause we, we waited until 
I think after like the 20 week scan to even, I guess, do the Facebook announcement, you know, that we were going to have a baby because of that fear. Mm -hmm. But even as people would acknowledge my belly growing, it, it didn't bother me as in like, I'm getting bigger. It was a weird... I, I don't you didn't know, want to just, jinx it almost. Yes, <laughs> it was like the more that people brought it up, it was almost this more scared I would become, you know, because like, it, I don't know, just, I don't even know how to put that into words and maybe <laughs> you you can put it into words better than I can. Yeah, but. well, I can definitely relate and I experienced the same thing. Um, I think a part of it, maybe a big part of it is that we don't want to have to go back and say, mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. not pregnant anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember what some of the hardest phone calls uh, after we lost Micah or when we, we found out that we were going to lose Micah um, was calling our parents or yeah. calling my work, you know, and saying mm -hmm. that's what's going on. Yeah. Um, it's just such a hard conversation. And so, and it's not only devastating for you, but it's devastating for the people who care about you. Yes. Um, you know, maybe that's grandparents or friends um, or whoever is in your life um, that loves you. When you but feel like your body has let abandoned yeah. you. Uh, yeah, it, your body has let you down. <laughs> right. So there's like an element of shame because yeah. you almost feel like you're a failure. Even if you know um, rationally that you've done nothing wrong, it still feels like it's your fault or that you've brought this pain mm -hmm. on your family. I very much felt that way, um, especially with my husband. You know, after two losses, I thought, gosh, like, what have I done to his life? You know, mm -hmm. it very much felt like the pain that our family was experiencing was experiencing was my fault. And so it is a hard conversation to have. And it is like, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself by telling people um, only to have to then give them bad news because yeah. that's the fear, right? That you're yeah. going to have to come back and give them bad news. Jenny, I was speaking with a lady the other day who um, she's had some miscarriages and she said that she feels guilty for, um, still grieving those losses while trying to conceive again. And she feels like if, mm. if she gets pregnant again, will I, is it wrong to still be in grief over the loss that I just had? Could you kind of speak to that issue for a moment? Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a really common experience for so many women. Um, so she is definitely not alone in that. Um, there's, there should be no guilt and grief. Um, <laughs> these are lives that were lost and we love, we love our babies as soon as we find out about them. And so we would not ever um, tell someone who has lost maybe a parent um, or a spouse or a friend, you know, Oh, you should be over it or you shouldn't feel guilty or um, you still have your other parents. So don't right. worry <laughs> about the one that you lost, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever your scenario is. Um, and so there should be no guilt in grieving a baby, um, regardless of what your family looks like. I think for me, I had a daughter um, already, you know, and then we had our two losses. And so I often thought, well, I should just be grateful for what I have. I shouldn't be grieving. I should just be happy that I have my daughter. And that's just not the way it works. Um, you know, we there are so many people around us that we love and we don't ever lose one and think, well, I shouldn't be sad about it because I have these other people. These lives are worthy of grief. Your baby's life is worthy mm -hmm. of grief, 
regardless of how long you carry that baby. And so that's very common. Um, it's very normal to continue grieving the baby you lost, even when you become pregnant again or while you're trying to become pregnant again. So I pray that she has no ongoing shame or guilt about that. Mm. Um, definitely not something that, that we need to carry guilt for. Amen. I love at the end of each of your chapters, you have written a um, scripture led prayer for um, us to reflect on and read. And I love how honest they are. A lot of the times you are admitting to something that might be a fleshly reaction that's wrong, but you're able to say, God, I admit I'm jealous of women of this. I admit I'm bitter about this. Um, I love the honesty in that in your prayers at the end. Um, what could you say to a woman who is who is dealing with anger towards God about um, how how to bring our emotions to Him? Not that we, not that those are okay, but um, uh, why is it okay to take that to Him? <laughs> well, I mean, one God already knows, and so <laughs> we. I think we can think that we're hiding from God, or you know, these are things that we're not allowed to say. Maybe we feel like we could never say them to another person, um, but God already knows, and God understands um, the element of grief um, and the human emotions that we experience, and He, I believe that He appreciates our brutal honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to acknowledge those things in order to start to heal, and everybody's journey for healing and kind of how that looks you know, in the coming days, months, and years is going to look very different. Um, But there are no secrets from God. And so I think it can be very healing to let that all out, take it to God. He's not afraid. He he can handle your emotions. Um, And then we can look back and say, but this is what I know is true. This is how I'm feeling. Um, These are normal emotions. I'm grieving. I'm angry. Whatever whatever you're feeling. But then take it back to God. And we know that um, He loves us. He loves our babies. He is a good God. And He brings um, goodness from terrible circumstances. And so those two Mm. things can, can work together, I believe. Amen. Um, in one of the last chapters of your book, you talk about, um, is it a, a lily that, that popped up outside? Am I remembering this correctly? Oh, a this, tulip. A tulip. Can you tell us about that, yeah. how the Lord used that picture to minister to you? Yeah. So um, after we left, Micah, a friend dropped off um, a, a potted flower and it was a tulip. And I thought that was very special um, for me personally, just because tulips are my favorite flower. Um, and then as the months went on and, you know, I was still grieving and still just kind of trying to find my footing after our loss, it sat, this tulip sat on my counter, dried up, the bulb shriveled, you know, it looked completely dead. <laughs> um, I did not do the things that you're supposed to do when you <laughs> want can't to keep anything <laughs> alive. That's replant a bulb. Yeah. You know, and so that was, yes, yeah, like, and so that kind of played into the grief too, like, geez, everything is just dead. Mm. Um, So anyways, my parents came out to visit and my dad, who is super into gardening and always has been, and he's just a really talented gardener, was um, said, I'm just going to throw this in and, you know, we'll see. He's like, I don't know if it'll come up. It's like the wrong time of year to plant it. It's really dry and dead, (laughs) but I'm just going to put it in. Um, And so a year later, um, this tulip peaked up out of 
the spring snow and it just felt, it really did feel, I don't, I don't so much believe in signs from God or things like that. Um, But it was just a reminder for me that, you know, we have these dark months Mm -hmm. and we have these winter months um, and these winter seasons of life that are just kind of cold and isolating and lonely. Um, But that spring comes and that growth occurs and that life happens again, um, even when we think that maybe life is over or that this is it. And so that was just a reminder that God is the creator of life um, and that there there is always hope in knowing that and in knowing that He controls our lives and that we have um, the promise of eternal life as, as we walk along with God. And so that was just kind of a picture of life and hope for me as this dead tulip bulb that seemed hopeless came up and, mm. and, and bloomed the next spring. Your writing style, by the way, is so picturesque. Like there are so many scenes that you describe where you're like, I'm in the car line dropping my daughter off and I'm weeping and people are looking at me or I'm sitting on my bathroom tub and I lost it and my husband came. Like I feel like I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. And so many of yeah, those moments well, isn't that are that just relatable. the reality too? <laughs> that is. Just, you know, these, these things sneak up on us and yeah. we hate, like I hate it anyways, grieving publicly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's not something I wanted to do. I just couldn't always control it the way mm-hmm. I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another kind of surrender too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't like to be falling apart in front of people. Um, but that's just the reality. That's the reality of mm-hmm. grief. And we can't always control it. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to, we have to know that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for being on our program. Tell our listeners where they can find you and how they can get Courageously Expecting. Sure, yeah. Courageously Expecting can be found um, anywhere that sells books. So Amazon, Target, um, Barnes & Noble, Christian Books. So wherever your bookseller of choice is, you can find Courageously Expecting there. Um, And then you can find me at JennyAlbers.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Jenny Albers author. Thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on. And thank you guys for listening to Hannah's Heart. We hope to see you back next week.